I found this on Wikipedia, so I'm almost 1,000% sure that it's a historical fact. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Ofstrom. He was the ultimate country music outlaw who broke from Nashville and forged his own path. This week, we continue our discussion of the legendary Waylon Jennings. But first, what's your favorite Texas twist on a traditional food? So I'm going to go with Italian nachos, uh, which I think you can get at Romano Grill and some local Italian chains uh, that are in Texas. But uh, they're made with fried pasta instead of uh, tortilla chips. And I like them because I can eat those. This kind of nachos, I can't eat normal nachos, so mm. I'm going to go with that. Wait, because of gonna... corn? Corn, yes. So, so you're telling me that inside of you, what normal people could do, you cannot do. No, I can't. <laughs> you're like that Mr. Glass guy from those movies. Yes. <laughs> my, you're going to become a my, food supervillain? My weakness is corn. <laughs> I, I don't know how much of a... A Texas twist that is on yeah. food, but uh, yeah, making allow it. a blank nacho, but whatever, you know, it's free form association. Well, Romano, Romano's Macaroni Girl, I think, has it, and he's from Texas. It's a corporation okay. founded in Texas, so all okay, right. all okay. right, all right. Um, I'm, you know, I'm lazy. Um, I'm just going to go with that. Anything as long as it's shaped like Texas. You take anything and make it shaped like Texas, and it makes it Texan to me. So and steak, I love that. I would love to eat a Texas-shaped steak. I haven't had one before, but uh, I would eat it. Well, I think, you know, maybe you could eat it in a Texas-shaped pool on a Texas-shaped plate. <laughs> Have a, you know, a state flag napkin around your neck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and a Texas-shaped cowboy hat. Listen, I think Scott's got a point there, though, to be serious, that... Texas waffles are just better. When you have that Texas-shaped waffle, it you can make it from the it same better. batter. It's just better. Yeah, it is. But I'm going to pull a little history here and add to this. How about a shout-out to Fletcher Davis of Athens, Texas, who is claimed to have invented the proper hamburger in the 1880s. I found this on Wikipedia, so I'm almost 1,000% sure that it's a historical fact. So maybe we should say, what have people contributed to Texas foods since basically all roads lead to Texas. Yeah, and those of you from Connecticut, you're wrong. The, your your Steamburger there in uh, Lewis's Lunch in New Haven, 1900. You sold your first sandwich in 1900. In Texas, we sold it in the 1880s, so think about that. Boom. Food wins in Texas. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Connecticut. In the mid to late 1970s, after he'd broken from the restrictions of the Nashville system, these were Waylon Jennings' most creative and financially successful years. He had more hit albums to come, including This Time and The Ramblin' Man in 1974 and Dreamin' My Dreams in 1975, which included an attack on contemporary country music called, quote, Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way? that hit number one on the country charts. Take that, John Denver. <laughs> Dreamin' My Dreams was the first of his next six consecutive solo albums to be certified gold or higher. In 1976, RCA decided to cash in on the Outlaw success and released the compilation album Wanted! The Outlaws, which featured songs by Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Jesse Coulter, 
and at their insistence, Tom Paul Glazier. Now this album became the first ever country music album certified platinum, selling over a million copies. It featured a new version of Good Hearted Woman, a duet with Willie which hit number one, which is probably the version everyone's heard. The next year RCA issued Ole Waylon, which had another number one hit with Nelson, Lugenbach, Texas. The album Waylon and Willie followed up in 1978 and produced yet another number one hit, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be Cowboys. Which I remember from the Electric Cowboy soundtrack. Yeah, and I I think that's probably his, his biggest hit. Or pretty close I to mean, his it's, biggest hit. It's a song that everybody knows, even if you don't know, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so RCA cashed in. The other people that cashed in was A&M, who, who had a a small catalog of Waylon Jennings recordings from the early 1960s uh, when he was under contract with them and they didn't know what to do with him. And they very quickly produced several, several compilation albums of Waylon Jennings when he was at his height. So 1978, he released, I've always been crazy and he began to feel restricted by the outlaw movement. And he actually began to feel restricted by the outlaw movement, referring to its over exploitation in the song, don't you think this outlaw bit's done got out of hand? It also contained a medley of Buddy Holly songs, which was a tribute to his friend who'd been killed nearly 20 years before. Jennings also progressed in his substance abuse to a nightmarish cocaine addiction. He later said, quote, I wasn't just using the little drugs. I was doing them constantly. I'd do them until I collapsed, and then I'd get up and then start right doing them again. I was killing myself. I definitely hit bottom with it. I'd never sleep. I'd stay up six or seven days or nights at a time, and I wouldn't go home. My health was bad. I had dizzy spells where I could hardly drive. I had cars strewed all over this town because I'd get somewhere, and I had to leave them and have somebody else take me home. In 1977, Jennings had been busted by federal drug enforcement officers at American Sound Studios, where he was working with Hank Williams Jr. on an album that they were co-producing. Federal agents had traced a package that had been sent from his manager's office in New York City. This package contained cocaine, but drummer Richie Albright flushed it down a toilet before the officers could find it. Jennings was arrested and charged anyway, but wasn't convicted due to technicalities. Though the arrest rattled him, it didn't slow Jennings down in his drug consumption, nor did it impact his career very much. I've Always Been Crazy was a big hit and his Greatest Hits album, released in 1979, was a massive success. It's hit platinum five times. That's five times more platinum albums than I've had. Or I could also say... You've had one platinum? (laughs) Oh. Another album in 1979, What Goes Around Comes Around, was another huge hit, and saw Waylon at the top of his fame. He introduced a new logo on all his albums, and his stage shows became bigger and more extravagant. But it was also another self-fulfilling prophecy. His biggest hit from the album was the Rodney Crowell song, I Ain't Living Long Like This. His cocaine habit had climbed to $1,500 per day, and that's in 1979 dollars. He knew it was only a matter of time before it all came crashing down. We rode around with our high beams on, three buses and two trucks. We might as well have had flashing lights on top of the whole convoy, letting the world know that we did drugs. We take drugs, we buy drugs, we have drugs. We don't sell drugs, but we sure eat them. It was obvious. 
Quick question. I do cocaine. Wow. I do cocaine. I do cocaine. Just to note, folks, that in today's dollar, that's about $40,000 of cocaine a week. That's two over $2 million of cocaine in a year. Well, that year, in 1979, he joined the cast of a new CBS television series called The Dukes of Hazard. He played the balladeer, the narrator of the show, where he talked to audiences about the adventures of the Duke boys, who were moonshiners. Uh, let's be fair. They drove around in an orange stock car that had a Confederate flag on it, and they were running from the law. Never talked about what they were doing running from the law, but they were moonshiners. At any rate, he would talk about their adventures, and at the beginning and the end of each show, and especially at freeze frames that occurred at each commercial break. How them Duke boys going to get out of this pickle? Uh, when they'd come back, I can't believe the Duke boys got away with it. So Jennings also wrote and sang the theme song for the show, a song called The Good Old Boys, which actually was the biggest hit of his career. It became his 12th single to hit number one on the Billboard country charts, and it also peaked at number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100. A TV show theme song, a country song, was number 21 in 1979 on the Billboard Hot 100. Jennings narrated the entire seven-year run on the show, and he actually appeared on the show uh, in towards the end of its run, I think in 85 or 86. Yeah. Um, just a note, um, I think the Duke boys got away with it because they're, they're good old white boys. Yeah. <laughs> now, despite the success— Did, you, did show, that show come on? Was it Tuesday nights? I don't remember. Like, I was like 10, 5. I was young. Um, watched every episode. Yeah. I tried watching it on Netflix when it was on Netflix. I didn't get very far. No, it's terrible. Despite the success of his many albums and having a huge hit TV show that he was part of, by 1981, Jennings' excessive lifestyle and the overhead of keeping his show on the road came to a head, and it did all come crashing down. He said, The tours were running well into the red. People were hanging out and getting paid for it. We had close to 50 bodies on our payroll, and I was not sure of what any of them were doing. There was at least 20 more people than we needed, and if I saw somebody twice in a week, I'd ask Richie Albright, are they working for us? For every million dollars I was taking in, I was spending $2 million. In the spring of 1981, Jennings realized that he owed more than $2 million and was over $800,000 overdrawn to the bank. He immediately trimmed down his organization— and cut back on touring and took on an exclusive engagement in a Las Vegas casino to dig himself out of this hole. However, his health began to fail due to his continued addiction to cocaine. His next few albums were not hugely successful, despite mostly being collaborations with Willie Nelson and others. In 1984, he was in such bad physical shape that he decided to take off April of 1984 so that he could clean up and get his health back. Quote, I told Jesse... I'd always be a drug addict, and I'd always do cocaine, and that this was just temporary, to slow it down. Jennings rented a house in Arizona and went cold turkey. He later said that it was largely because of his young son, Shooter, that he decided to quit drugs for good. By 1985, he was completely clean and sober for the first time in decades. Jennings recalled that quitting drugs had an immediate effect on his music. Quote, I hit better notes now that I wasn't plagued with laryngitis. I played on the beat instead of ahead of it. Probably only I noticed that instead of pushing myself, I was being pulled along by my own legend and the skills I'd learned from a lifetime performing. 
You recorded a new album in 1985 called Turn the Page. It was well-received, but not a financial success. He had greater success that year when he formed a country music supergroup with Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson, and Willie Nelson called The Highwaymen. They recorded three albums over the next decade, with the first one producing a huge number one hit song with its title. He also moved from RCA to MCA in 1986, and his first album with them, Will the Wolf Survive, hit number one on the country charts. Also in 86, he collaborated again with Johnny Cash on Johnny Cash's 72nd album release, Heroes. That's in 1986, and Cash lived for 20 more years. Uh, he recorded a few more albums in, with MCA before he moved to Epic in 1990, and then he continued to release several modestly successful albums. Mostly, he settled into being an elder statesman and a mentor to younger artists. Though his albums didn't sell as well as they had in the 70s, Jennings did remain a constant live music draw, attracting crowds of all generations. In 1997, he was even invited to be part of the Lollapalooza live music tour. However, at this point, he'd been on the road for 40 years and decided to decrease his tour schedule to become more centered on his family, specifically his youngest son, Shooter. In 1998, Jennings teamed up with Bobby Bear, Jerry Reed, and Mel Tillis to perform as The Old Dogs. This group recorded a double album of songs by Shel Silverstein, of all people. In mid-1999, Jennings assembled what he referred to as his, quote, hand-picked dream team and formed Waylon and the Waymore Blues Band. Consisting primarily of former Whalers, his old group, the 13-member group performed concerts from 1999 to 2001. In January 2000, Jennings recorded what became his final album at Nashville's historic Ryman Auditorium, Never Say Die, live. By the year 2000, his health had worsened to the point where he could no longer regularly perform. He had developed diabetes and underwent surgery to improve his leg circulation, though the procedure didn't work. In December of 2001, his left foot was amputated at a hospital in Phoenix. On February 13, 2002, Jennings died in his sleep of diabetic complications at the age of 64 in Chandler, Arizona. Oh, he was buried in the city of Mesa Cemetery in Mesa, Arizona. At his memorial service on February 15th, Jesse Coulter sang Storms Never Last for the attendees, who included Jennings' close friends and fellow musicians. His youngest son with Jesse Coulter Shooter has gone on to forge his own successful music career and played his father in the 2008 Johnny Cash biopic, Walk the Line. And he's a Texas treasure. And yes. we love him and we miss him and we think his music's amazing. All right, so I, now I didn't have this album, but... Did you guys, did your parents have the, the classic 78 or 79 Willing, uh, the classic 78 or 79 Waylon Jennings record in your collection? Mm. No. We might no, have. No. We might have. I don't remember listening to that one too much, but I'm sure it's probably in the big record box somewhere. My parents didn't have a huge record collection. What they did have was mostly the Beatles and Neil Diamond. Oh. <laughs> Can't beat that, though. And, and I think we had a Kenny Rogers record or two. Yeah. Well, I, I can remember Waylon Jennings mostly from Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up Through Cowboys or Looking Back Texas, or uh, but definitely the the memory I have of him mostly is is narrating the Dukes of Hazard. Oh the, yeah, for sure. That's for sure. the one I, I most remember. But when you go back and you look at that catalog of that that run of albums from seventy two to to seventy nine, uh 
the 80 the, those 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 albums are classics and there's so many fantastic songs and they just have such an edge and a i mean it's a cocaine edge but they have an edge <laughs> to them uh and uh just a that gives no crap attitude about things you know you listen to that song uh are you sure hank done it this way and it is a full double-barreled attack on nashville uh and on just the the phoniness of of nashville and then you listen to do you think this outlaw bits done got out of hand and it's a double barrel attack on his own music movement on on the people that are imitating him so um he he really he did not care what other people thought of him uh he definitely was going to make the music that he wanted to make raw honesty in his singing yeah well i mean that's that's what makes the best music if we talk about one thing that came out of the outlaw movement the willie nelson story the waylon jennings story it was i went i left texas i went to nashville they tried to make me into something that i'm not they tried to change they tried to change things too much and out of that backlash a whole bunch of people came home and created magic and that man makes magic and yet he was burning money <laughs> He would literally, he, he would have been just as well suited setting it on fire. I mean, you put two million bucks up your nose just yeah. for yourself. I mean, there's what your entourage is burning around you. There's a lot of parallels here between um, Waylon Jennings and uh, my uh, one of my favorite authors uh, in the 80s, Stephen King. Um, yeah. He was also popular, very popular in that time period, rocketed to fame, and was... Uh, had a massive drug habit as well. Yeah. So there's something about the 80s, man. Yeah, you know, I think you look back at those, it's that 78, 79 period where he really went into overdrive as far as he really was a was a rock star. Um, if you look at his albums, he actually had a logo, uh, a Waylon Jennings logo, uh, kind of a wing logo that is sort of like Kiss. And it would... They would light it up in the concerts behind him, and and it was uh he was he really was living a, a rock star life, um, you know he had his agent sending him cocaine <laughs> through the mail, so yeah that's not very smart, <laughs> not smart. Well, I, but I'm great say, music. I've got it here, and it's been sitting here, and I've just been meaning to to actually give it to Sean next time I see him because I just would be something fun to have. I have a copy of What Goes Around Comes Around from RCA Records, but it's on 8-track. And so it has a picture of the album cover on there with his crazy long hair and his uh, like exploding lasers and stardust, and then it's got his his logo above it, which, you know, you kind of want to go, come on, Weezer, how much can you guys crib off of the way of Jennings? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's he's it's he was something. Yeah, I saw that album at a half price books at their at the vinyl album, and I, I almost got it, and I just uh, passed up on it. I should I should have picked it up. Also, 1986, he's he helps he's on Johnny Cash's 72nd album. That's that's just crazy, <laughs> and Cash recorded. You know, probably a dozen, dozen or more, more albums in the rest of his life. So, this, those guys were recording fools, that's for sure. Oh my gosh, they made, they were prolific musicians. Yeah, prolific. Amazing. I think that if you're a fan, you should 
Drop us a note, send us a line, tell us what your favorite Waylon Jennings song is. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shawachuin. And I'm Scotticus. Now you love this show, you love the outlaw country movement, so get out there and tell your friends about what we're doing. And go leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. We hope you join us next time. And remember, oh, uh, and if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast. We hope you join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.